T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What's good, my friends? This is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are the Fan Upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. Fantastic to have you guys with us. Could not do it all without you. Thank you for making this happen for us. Okay, so... Guys, there is something unbelievable going on right now in sports. Okay? Like this is this is unbelievable. And unless you are a get off my lawn guy, you're creeping into my territory kind of stuff, stay in your lane kind of dude, you appreciate this because it's actually freaking beautiful. It is beautiful. And what I'm talking about is what Caitlin Clark is doing in co- in women's college basketball. Now, I'm going to put this, maybe you're a big social media person, maybe you're not. But I'm going to put this into terms you can understand in terms of, you know, like popularity and fame and impact and so on and so forth. Guys, the, the basketball player on the men's side with the biggest social media following on Twitter is Armando Baycott, North Carolina. He's got 58,000 followers, okay? The college football player with the greatest following on Twitter, okay, is Marvin Harrison Jr., Ohio State. He has 96,000 followers, okay? Um, If I take the average of the top 10 best players in college basketball, you know, like you look up a list, top 10 players in college basketball right now, the average, so the average of those guys, those guys have a following of 15,600 followers on Twitter. Top 10 players in college. Sounds pretty low, right? Like, Diesel, yeah, you'd like, think it'd be 50,000. Like, you've got seven or eight. I've got 9,000 followers, yeah. right? Like, the top 10 players are at 15,600. That's their average. The, be- the the number one guy is Armando Baycott. More on him and why he leads the way with 58,000 in a minute. Caitlin Clark has 183,000 followers <laughs> on Twitter. She is, folks, not the biggest star in women's college basketball. She is the biggest star in collegiate sports, period. Oh, Mark, what about Liv Dunn? She's got 4.9 million Instagram followers. Okay, guys, do you know that Instagram, Insta, as the kids call it, is the app that has lost more followers than anybody else? Do you also know why people are following Liv Dunn on, on Instagram? I mean, is it about her career? Is it about her profession? Or is it about her appearance? You know, hey, man. You know, you are a uh, you're a twenty-something single dude. 
Where can I see scantily clad Olivia Dunn? Instagram, there she is. Boom. 4.9 million followers. She was on 60 Minutes talking about that, which blew me away. Yeah. She's probably never seen 60 Minutes. They contact her. Who is this? I I know all these podcasts. I know all these. What is 60 Minutes? I never never heard of it. And they were like, isn't it weird that dudes from across the country will flock? Like when LSU does does a meet at UCLA. Isn't it weird that dudes will flock there and will shout things at you that like they remember from your Instagram account from a year ago? She said, yeah, that's the creepiest part. It's like all of these guys feel like they know you because they follow you on Instagram. They think they can have intimate personal conversations with you in public because they follow you on Instagram and there was some nugget that you revealed in a post a year ago that was a little too personal. I maybe shouldn't have posted that. Right. So uh, Anna Kornikova, Diesel, was she more famous for her looks or for her tennis? Her looks. Paige Spiranak, is she more famous for her looks or her golf? (laughs) Olivia Dunn, is she more famous for her looks or her gymnastics? Right? I mean, I'm not trying to say there's, there's not a legitimacy factor there, okay? But there's not a legitimacy factor there. She's, you know, she's huge on the platform where you see pictures of her. Where your platform is based more on what you've done, Caitlin Clark is the biggest collegiate star in amateur athletics today. And I have to use amateur loosely because of what's becoming of collegiate sports. So my question to you guys is this. At 844-FAN-PHONE, that's 844-F-A-N-F-O-N-E. That's 844-326-3663 on the Renewal by Anderson fan phone. Is the place for women's sports in mainstream primetime television now solidified? Is it now solidified? All right. Um, You know, because Caitlin Clark is bringing women's sports to the marquee. She's bringing them to primetime. She's bringing them to the mainstream. Let's hear from you. Let's hear your calls. 844-326-3663. I'll tell you what brought me to this topic. Okay, Sunday before last, so it's Super Bowl Sunday. Sunday before last, I'm on the phone with my old man, and he goes, Mark, you watching Caitlin Clark today? I said, Dad, no, I'm not watching Caitlin Clark. It's, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Why, why would I be watching Caitlin Clark on Super Bowl Sunday? He goes, well, Mark, she has the chance to grab the record. Record for what? You know, it's like I, I'm, not, it's, I'm not doing a great job when my dad is telling me, things that are going on in sports that I'm not aware of. Break the record, Mark, for the most points all-time scored in the women in women's basketball. She's at Nebraska. And my dad was all into it. So I said, whoa, I'll check this out as well. And as I'm watching this, it dawned upon me. Consider the reach of that for my dad to reach out to me and say, are you watching Caitlin Clark? Now, let me tell you about my dad in sports. My dad love him for it, is responsible for my love of sports. But as he's gotten older, he's a big event kind of guy, okay? Like, he doesn't watch Gators regular season basketball. He'll watch the Final Four, but nothing before the Final Four. He'll watch the Super Bowl, maybe the conference championship games, but he's not watching regular season games. He doesn't watch regular season baseball. My dad is only in it for sports if there's a big event in sports. That's what he's into. And so for him to tell me, Mark, are you watching Caitlin Clark today? Go for the record. Think of the penetration. Okay. 
that that moment had for that to reach him and for him to be geeked about it, for him to be excited about it. In Lincoln, Nebraska, where Iowa was upset by Nebraska on that day, literally miles the line stretched for. For a 1 p.m. tip-off, lines were forming at 6 a.m. People camped out overnight. You had the Star Wars nerds who camp out for Star Wars movies, this time camped out to watch women's basketball. They turned it into Duke, North Carolina, where Cameron Crazy students camp. That's the insanity of the Duke Duke uh, fan base. These kids are rich. They have beautiful state-of-the-art stone dorms to live in, but they choose to live in tents outside the basketball arena. That's it. <laughs> and that's it. And like, Just to get the best seats. It's incredible. It's A lot of times it's cold out there. So, guys, Caitlin Clark did that not just this last weekend. She's doing that. She's doing that everywhere she goes. She is the traveling road tour that is the Beatles of college athletics. It has been over a year since Caitlin Clark failed to play a sellout on the road. Do you realize, like, what she is right now is a movement? Well, Mark, outside of that, give me some hard data. Okay, how about this? For the first time ever last year, women's tickets to the Final Four exceeded the men's. But they didn't just exceed the men's. They were three times as expensive as the men's. Now think about that. Never before in the history of women's basketball has a women's Final Four ticket cost more than a men's. And because of one person, they're now three times as much. So why is this? Why is this? Like, why doesn't college basketball, men's college basketball, have a star like this? It's why Cliff Ellis left Coastal Carolina. There's no continuity. It's, it's literally one and done, which is what college football is becoming. And Caitlin Clark has been at Iowa four years. Now back to Armando Baycott, Diesel. Why is he so popular? He's been at North Carolina for four years, right? He is making money hand over fist. His NBA prospects aren't great. He's one of those really good college players that doesn't really project He's like a 6'8", beefy guy, and the NBA is going more towards like the Victor Wimbanyama can run the whole floor, can shoot threes. He's a beefy, down-low, 6'8", guy who might not even be drafted. And But at North Carolina, he'll make seven figures. He'll be a star. He's been there four years. They know him. There's continuity. He's given him something that the rest of college athletics, college basketball is not. And so he is the most famous Male basketball player. But, folks, Caitlin Clark, this is beautiful. Diesel. It is up to this – is a, this is an opportunity that women's college basketball has to seize on. Now, Caitlin Clark, she has another year if she chooses to come back. I, I think she's one of the final season. And somebody help me out if I'm wrong here. Her class is the final class that will have one extra year of COVID eligibility. She can come back for one more if she wants to. She can. And, yeah. She, and the question is, is the NCAA prepared to try to market stars after she's gone? You know, because what's happened to golf after Tiger fell off? Now, he's still out there. He's still playing. But Tiger, even though there's 50 players out there better than Tiger, I mean, Tiger's not even making the day two and day three cuts most time he most of the time he enters anymore. But Tiger is still the biggest draw everywhere he goes. Despite, you know, Spieth 
and 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 Rom and all these guys being better golfers than Tiger Wood, they're not draws. So what is college basketball going to do to create more stars after Caitlin Clark eventually moves on from the sport? That's a million-dollar question. So here's what we're already seeing. Paige Bukers, UConn, okay? Paige Bukers, UConn has already announced that instead of going to the WNBA, she's coming back. She's coming back to UConn. Why? She's a bigger deal at UConn than she will be in the WNBA. Guys, here's the reality, okay? I My feeling is, okay, my feeling is that women's basketball needs to lower the rim. You don't have the most exciting play in the sport, which is the slam dunk. The fundamentals are better, but the oohs and ahs come from alley-oops and slam dunks. That's not sexist to say. They give the women's the women's game has smaller basketballs because they have smaller hands. Why don't you have a shorter rim, a lower rim um, for shorter players who, oh, by the way, are not just shorter. They don't jump as high. They don't have the same reach. Right. Like apparently that is sexist. So, you know, guys like the WNBA, they've tried to give us this product. We elect. We have decided we don't like the product. That is the WNBA. So what the NBA does is they make you take on WNBA games in order to have the NBA. Okay, TNT. Okay, ESPN. You're going to buy the NBA. Well, you're also going to carry 30 WNBA games. And that's what that comes with the package. But we're not watching the WNBA. Like nobody cares. The product isn't great. You get a transcendent star like Iowa, like, like Caitlin Clark at Iowa. Diesel, she's going to be so much bigger at Iowa than she's ever going to be. I yeah. worry for her that we're going to forget about her when she goes to oh, the we WNBA. Will. We, we will. We will. Um, the one issue with changing the game, and I, I understand your point here of adding the, the high-flying element of men's college basketball into women's college basketball. The difference is you are now fundamentally changing the game to where it's going to force – it's gonna. T- you're you're essentially setting the sport back 15 years because little girls who are starting to play basketball, once they get to the point where they're playing on a 10 foot rim, that's all they know how to shoot at. They're elite at shooting at 10 foot rims. So you change the height of the rim, you change the size of the rim, you change the spring rate in the rim. You're gonna change the game, and it's gonna cost a, a whole generation of players a big chunk of their game. I don't and think, the question is, yeah, are you willing to do that? I don't think it's nearly the difference you, you make it out to be, Diesel. Like, for example, look, I'm an amateur shooter, right? I had a rim that you could raise or lower. I didn't shoot markedly different depending on where the thing was. But I will mention this to you. This was awesome. The Sabrina Ionescu and Steph Curry shootout in the three-point shooting contest, she said, Diesel, no, I'm going to shoot from the NBA line, not the WNBA line. The NBA line is further back. She shot from a line that she's not used to shooting from. And she scored the same she scored tied for the highest score that any other NBA player did that was in the three-point shooting shooting contest. So the winning score of the three-point shooting contest was 26. She scored 26. Problem is she wasn't competing against them. She was competing against Steph Curry. Steph Curry put up 29. And so the line didn't bother her. Let's get to Rick and Greer who's up next. Hey Rick, uh, you're offsides, buddy. What's good? Hey, Mark. I just wanted you to know there's a player behind Caitlin Clark that is 30 points lower than her. You knew that, didn't you? 
a player behind Caitlin Clark that is 30 points lower than her? Hit me. She's got only 30 points less okay. than Caitlin Clark. They, cool. they showed it yesterday. Okay. Cool. But, Rick, 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 do you know yeah. her name? I'm tr- I'm trying to remember it. So, so yeah, they there you go. Watching. There you go. That's our point, though. Caitlin Clark is a star. Whoever this Caitlin Clark sub-30 point player is, nobody knows who she is. By the way, Caitlin Clark, yeah, Caitlin Clark, Greg, uh, Rick has uh, 3,569 points. She takes on top 15 Indiana on Thursday. She is 98 points away from surpassing Pistol Pete Maravich, the all-time leading scorer, men's or women's college basketball. And she could play for another year. How about that? Yeah, but this girl can play two more years. Uh... Okay. Okay, but but it's not just about records, Rick. Uh, Rick, it's not just about records. It's about the impact you're having on the game. Okay. Right. Right. That's what. That's my point. Okay, Rick. Thanks for the call. We got a lot of noise, uh, you know, coming up in the background there, Rick. But I appreciate the call. Like Rick was it? Rick, were you over here at the go kart track next to the next to the studios? Where Where are you? Roll up your window, please. Maybe Rick was talking about Juju Watkins next at Southern Cal. She can do it all. She does everything better than Caitlin now except shoot. The, the, the crazy thing is Caitlin is Steph Curry. Like, in terms of the range, in terms of the shots, in terms of the passing ability, in terms of the IQ, she is Steph Curry playing women's basketball. And, and, and Rick, we needed a little more context. That's what we were trying to get out of you. 30 points behind Caitlin Clark. What does that mean? This season? Um... Average per game, career. It's not career. If she's two years younger than her, she wouldn't be 30 points behind her in her career. Otherwise, she would have to be dramatically outscoring Caitlin Clark night in and night out, which she's not. Are you talking about 30 points fewer on the season? That's what we don't know what you mean. Yeah, I'm not sure what he means there either, but she's 98 points away from being the all-time leading scorer. And if she comes back another year, that's going to be one of those most unbreakable records in all of sports. Well, that's something we talked about last week as well. What do you do with somebody who has an extra year of eligibility in the record books? You know, that's not fair to, to compare somebody who had five years worth of sure. stats to somebody who had four years worth of stats. It's not, it's not an equal comparison, and it would be tragic. These are Brent Beard's words, not mine. It would be tragic to have to put an asterisk next to Caitlin Clark's name. Like, are you going to say her official record is what she achieved in her first four years of eligibility? Because that's the only thing you can compare anyone else to is your first four years, not your last four years, because then you've you've essentially said, okay, well, the season where you're the youngest, you don't know the system, you're maybe not playing as many minutes. We're not going to count that year. Well, everybody else is counting that year for them, their freshman season. We're not going to count Caitlin Clark's freshman season. We're going to count her sophomore, junior, senior, and super senior seasons. Well, no. You got to count her freshman through senior years. That's what her official record has to be. Otherwise, if she gets another entire season to put up 30, 40 points a night, she's going to put that record so far out of reach because anybody coming after her, no matter how great they might be, would have to be scoring 70 or 80 points a night to be able to approach her record. 
Um, guys, is the place for women's sports in mainstream primetime television now solidified because of Caitlin Clark? Give us a ring, 844-326-3663. That's what we're discussing right here on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides. Mark, Ryan, and Diesel. We are the fan upstate. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Offsides. Mark, Ron, and Diesel. We are the Fan Upstate. Rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. We've got Chris Phillips of SEC Unfiltered joining us in the next segment of the show. Yeah, I think with Caitlin Clark, man, there, there's sometimes we just don't realize the magnitude of greatness when it's right in front of us. You know, like when you're going through it in real time, everything that was truly great feels like it's something that happened a long time ago or hasn't happened yet. Sometimes we need to be convinced that what we're seeing truly is as special as we think it is. And the crazy thing is, like, Caitlin Clark is rolling into women's gyms, and she's got Steph Curry ability, and so much of the rest of the women's game hasn't caught up yet. So you're seeing literal domination at a high level of play that you're not used to seeing. You know, you're like, like she's making these these – scholarship women's basketball players look like they're six years old with some of the things she's doing to them out there. It's insane. Yeah, college basketball as a whole needs to do a better job marketing its stars if what Rick is saying is true, that there's a player who's 30 points behind Caitlin Clark, whatever that means, season total. I don't know what you mean, Rick. You don't even know her name. What does that say? That says that, Somebody is doing a crap job of marketing stars. Same is true of NCAA basketball. I mean, outside of Armando Baycott and a couple of other ACC guys, I couldn't name anybody on any other roster outside of the ACC. I don't know the star player from Houston's name. I don't know the star player from UConn's name. Like, And I know that's how some of you want it. You want the name on the front of the jersey to matter more than the name on the back. But we as a society, we are drawn to individual stars. It's just true. That's why the NBA is so different from college basketball is because we, we market individual stars in the NBA, not so much the teams they play for, but we market the teams they play for, not so much the stars in college basketball. You could say you're orienting it more towards a team game, and that's great. That's, that's totally fine. The brand of the team 
matters more than the star players. Guys, but, yeah, yeah. But but fans want to go follow on social media star players. That's what they want to do. So we need to do a better job of marketing these stars. Uh, when uh, when Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark played last year in the Women's National Championship game, the game drew nearly 10 million viewers. That is by far the largest audience ever to watch a women's basketball game. Pro, college, any, anything. Remember how big a deal it was last year when Caitlin Clark played uh, US, South Carolina in the Final Four? That was one of the last events, sports-wise, that I got to watch with Angela's father, who, by the way, you guys remember if you listen to the show, uh, he passed away last April, and yesterday uh, was his birthday. And so we did like a little candlelight vigil for him and memories with Jackson and Angela, and tears were shed, but also good memories and everything like that. But he was into it. Like, I remember he had one or two months to live and Caitlin Clark against South Carolina last year, like that had him into it. You know, I was into it, okay? And it became impossible. Like I, I like the teams we covered a farewell. It became impossible not to root for Caitlin and Iowa. Caitlin Clark because of, of the story, right? So when she and Angel Reese and Iowa versus LSU drew nearly 10 million viewers, for the final for the women's national championship game last year, it was the first time a women's sport finally became mainstream and a part of water cooler conversation. The first time ever outside of the Olympics or the World Cup that women's sports had drawn a mass audience on network television. Think about that. Can you get a mass audience for the Olympics? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Katie Ledecky, Michael Phelps, okay? You can get a mass audience there. Can you get a mass audience for the Women's World Cup? Yes, you can. But for anything other than international competition, biggest events in international competition, domestically, had a women's sporting event ever been massive? No. Caitlin Clark delivered that. She is delivering that. Okay? And if you don't think she is the biggest star in college sports, Men or women, you need to ask somebody because it's not even close. She's number one. Olivia Dunn is number two. Marvin Harrison Jr., who's going to the NFL, is number three. Okay? Look it up. This is rock star Beatles status, and it's right there in front of your ever-loving faces. I'm putting up a, a poll at the Fan Upstate on Twitter. If Caitlin Clark returns to Iowa next year, her extra covid season should points she scores count towards her ncaa scoring record and the options are simple yes of course they should count or no an extra year gets an asterisk we've got chris phillips coming your way next right here on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere offsides mark ryan and diesel we are the fan upstate It's offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the Fan Upstate, joined right now by the owner, founder, host of SEC Unfiltered. His name is Christopher Phillips. Chris, do you walk toward or away from Christopher? 
Um, you know, I was I was thinking, Mark, and first things first, appreciate you and Diesel having me on. I was thinking pulling out the government name today. Um, I don't necessarily run away from it. I don't think anybody at this point calls me Christopher except my parents and my family. So, uh, you know, if you want to go with that, I, I don't I'm not necessarily going to stop you. But, uh, yeah, that's that, that that one caught me all a little off guard, Mark. I got to be honest. So, <laughs> great. There you go. Happy Tuesday to y'all as well. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, Chris, uh, Caitlin Clark, we're, we're discussing her. And we're discussing the fact that, you know, lines are wrapped around the building. She hasn't played in a road non-sellout in over a year. Uh, the the women's Final Four outrated the men. The women's tickets to the Final Four were three times the cost of the men. They've never been one penny more than the men before last year. There were three times as much. Are you willing to admit, uh, to admit as I have, that... She isn't the biggest star in women's college basketball. She is the biggest star in college sports, men or women, period. And what she is doing from an engagement and traffic standpoint is unprecedented. Yeah, Mark, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, especially when you talk college basketball, specifically both men's and women's. I I can't think of a men's player that, you know, maybe Bronny James had the opportunity to be that out there at Southern Cal, obviously the son of LeBron James, but I don't think he's really, I mean, he hasn't transcended the game or, or you know, done anything overly noteworthy that at least I can think of or have heard about. So, I mean, yeah, I think Caitlin Clark, you know, she's the, she's the Steph Curry, I guess, of women's college basketball. And I mean, what she does on a nightly basis is incredible. And certainly, I mean, it's become must-see TV. You know what I mean? I, I think to your point, man, I'm, I'm thinking about the, you know, the final four and, and watching last year, you know, what she did against South Carolina and what she did throughout the, the postseason. And, you know, I'll be really curious to, to tune in again and just see how if, if, if it's South Carolina, if it's another SEC team that she matches up against, right, how she fares. It's, it's truly become a, a must-have ticket if she's in your city. So um, I, I think certainly when you think of star power, and, Mark, that's what we gravitate towards is personalities and stars, I think. You know, it's. I don't think you can find another one that's that's bigger or more influential than Caden Clark is in all of college basketball. Chris, I got a heck of a laugh out of Don Staley's reaction the night that Caitlin Clark broke her record. She that was the first question she asked was when mm-hmm. she she stopped the press conference. Hey, did Caitlin get it? Did she get the record? And and the person who answered the question said, Yeah, she got twenty three in the first quarter. And Don's reaction was, God, dog. Um, <laughs> if Caitlin Clark returns to Iowa for a for an extra season, and she still has a COVID year of eligibility if she wants it. It would be financially smart for her to do it because she's probably making a lot of money at NIL, and she wouldn't be mm-hmm. making that much or nearly have the star power and effect in, in the WNBA. Should her fifth-year COVID eligibility point totals count towards her career record as far as the record books goes because anybody coming behind her wouldn't wouldn't have a chance to break her five season record in just four seasons. They would have to be putting up eighty points a night every night starting as a freshman to even have a chance. I mean, yeah, Diesel, I think it should count. I mean, I don't think you can pick and choose, you know, what records, you know, do and do not count or what seasons do and do not count. I mean, you know, the the the, the first thing I thought of when you were mentioning that about, you know, getting COVID years and breaking records was um you know, Parker White setting the, um, you know, setting the points record at South Carolina, and he obviously played in the fifth year and had a kick back in the 2021 Dukes-Mayo Bowl that put him over the edge. And, you know, again, it took him five years to do what Elliot Fry did in four, and I always have that debate with people that I think Elliot Fry is the, 
the greatest kicker in school history because, again, he did what Parker White did in five. He did that in four. But, I mean, it still counts. So, I mean, I, I think that – I think it should count. I mean, it's, you know, use take advantage of the the system when you can, when it's in favor of you. And, I mean, I think that's what she's doing if she does decide to come back. And like you mentioned, I think it will be a really smart move. So, I mean, I think you got to count it. And certainly I think it's going to put more than likely you feel like the record out of reach. But, you know, who knows, man. Athletes keep getting better and the game keeps evolving. And, you know, 10, 15 years from now, we could be talking about the next Caitlin Clark or something better than Caitlin Clark. So, but uh, no, certainly, I mean, I, I think that you got to count it. And it, it certainly feels like it's going to put that record out of reach. Are you still a Gamecocks fan, Chris? Yes, I am. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, for me, it's, Chris, like, when I, it's easy for me to get caught up in what I do and who we cover. And you, you typically want the teams you cover to fare well, right? I mean, that's that's typically one thing that you do. Um, but with you now covering all the SEC, I'm wondering if there's going to be a waning of your Gamecock fandom. I mean, I, I think I've been very, very objective for quite some time, Mark. And as I've mentioned before, whether it be off air, on air, whatever, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's been things that have happened off the field, off the record that maybe in due time folks will know about when it comes to dealing with the University of South Carolina, dealing with folks behind the scenes. How about, how about you share one that... of those? Can you share one of those here today? <laughs> I'll share well, one. I mean, I... I'll share one. I'll share one. Well, Shane I mean, Beamer got mad at me one day. Right. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, it's it's on public record that, you know, Justin King, who's the creative media director at South Carolina, you know, publicly went on record trying to publicly humiliate me and, and drag my name and my business through the mud. And has done so, by the way, throughout Columbia with other people that have reached out to me and sent me screenshots of of texts and messages and stuff like that, which is totally fine. I mean, the carry on joiner is another example of last year, you know, trying to publicly humiliate me on social media and drag my name and business to the mud. So, you know, over the years, Mark, I would say this, like I, I still pull for South Carolina. I wish nothing but the best for South Carolina, but was I more of a diehard fan from the standpoint of a lot of my decision-making was guided by the fandom scope? Yes, it was right. That was 2017. It's only, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm it's, it's only human nature that when you go through certain things and, and you see the harsh realities and the business scope and the business side and, um, that, you know, as I grew and evolved, that the business, um, you know, the business side of things became more important. And I started making decisions and operating from a, a business scope more so than a fandom scope. So I'm still a fan of South Carolina. I'm not going to sit here and totally denounce my fandom of the Gamecocks. But I mean, you know, I got to a point where I was painfully objective, Mark. Like people don't want to, some people don't want to hear the truth, the realities and, and the objectivity. And certainly the diehards don't want to hear that. And uh, I think that was a lot of the reason for some of the budding heads, you know, in those last days of TSUS, people just did not want to hear, especially when you go five and seven and things aren't going well. But uh, I mean, I just think there's a lot of things been again, behind the scenes off the record and some very public that happened that, uh, you know, it's, it it just kind of puts things in perspective and then you got to evolve and make the best decisions for you. So. Chris, we spent a segment earlier talking about Matt Rule coming out and very publicly stating what Nebraska's scheduling policy should be going forward. You know, I think the annual top five type programs, you know, the Michigans, the Georgia, that the Alabama type of programs, they can afford to schedule soft outside of their conference schedule and try to achieve that perfect record. But I think the six through twenty type of programs will need to schedule a little tougher to build a strength of schedule and to build a resume so that if it comes down to who's in that 
11 through 14 spot, they they have a case. And I think South Carolina will eventually exist in that range more often than not. How do you want South Carolina to schedule out of conference? What should the strategy be for a program like South Carolina with a limited number of, of spots available? I mean, Diesel, whether it's an eight-game conference schedule or a nine-game conference schedule, which Texas's athletic director obviously hinted that uh, that is coming, which I think is a smart move and the right move. But no matter how many conference games it is, eight or nine, and then you've got the Clemson game, I think South Carolina would be very wise to schedule three cupcakes. I, I do. I, and I don't care how that sounds. I don't care what people think about it. Um, you're trying to stack up wins. That, that, that's, that's, if you can add three wins to your schedule yearly – and until this changes to where, you know, a game of all due respect against like a Furman or a, or a Georgia State or a Wofford is a spring game or whatever, and these are still going to be games that we play in the college football season, I just don't think there's a lot of glory in scheduling really, really tough out of conference. Because if you perform well in the SEC, like the SEC doesn't have this problem where we got to boost our resume. We got to, if you win in the SEC, you're going to the playoff. Like, it doesn't matter, right? Like, if you take care of your business in conference play, you don't have to schedule some out-of-conference game to prove yourself. Like, you're playing the best week in, week out. So, you know, I think it would be wise. I mean, you, guys, you saw last year what can happen, right? And I'm not – nobody's making excuses. I mean, South Carolina, I think that was arguably their worst performance of the year in week one where you just showed up and completely laid an egg against North Carolina. But, like, you know, that is the risk of doing that when you schedule a quality out-of-conference opponent that – you know, you had question marks going in the season, right? If you had a sort of a layup opponent in week one, you could have figured some things out. You could have, you could have ironed out the kinks, if you will, because that team, that team looked a lot different, right, in week three against Georgia. And I know they ended up not being very good, but, you know, that was the difference between going to a bowl game and not going to a bowl game. And we all know how big of a deal that is in Columbia. So I, I just don't – I think there's much more to lose than there is to gain trying to schedule and I think it's you know every now and then it's cool like the game I believe it's next year they're going to take on Virginia Tech for very obvious reasons I think that's going to be cool with Shane Beamer taking on his his dad's school if you will and obviously he's an alum of there so um but as cool as they are I, I just don't think there's a lot to gain from it especially if you're a school like South Carolina you're trying to build your program and stack wins I think Kentucky Missouri those are a couple of schools. They've done a master class of scheduling soft in the, in the non-conference, and they build momentum and, um, you know, momentum and hype and, and being 4-0 and early on, that's a good thing. I don't really care who you've played. So um, I just don't know that there's a lot of glory in, in, in scheduling tough in the non-conference. Chris, I was out last week, but I, I went on uh, Twitter and I saw something you said about Sean Elliott that I kind of strongly disagreed with. I want to bring you into this. You said something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing, tell me if I'm quoting you accurately here. You said, well, look, it's hard to blame the players for leaving when the coaches are doing this. And I, I was looking at that, Chris, and I was saying, wait a minute, he's leaving because the players are doing that. You know, it's a chicken and the egg thing, Chris. Like, you're seeing coaches take lesser positions take demotions in title because they're being told that they need to win or, you know, they're on the hot seat. Here's what we expect. You need to win this year. They're looking at their roster, all their good players left, and they, they know that's not possible. So as opposed to in fe the beginning of February going through 10 months of hell, knowing you're going to lose your job anyway, why not break up with them before they break up with you? I mean, that's, that to me is very clearly what Chip Kelly did. 
It's, it's um, you know, very clearly to me, uh, the guy that became the D.C. Uh, oh, Jeff Halfley of the uh, Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Very clearly what he did. Very clearly what Sean Elliott did. Like, you, like I, I, I do feel like you can see that this is happening as a result of the mess that college football has become. And you mentioned it and you paraphrased it, Mark, as or worded it as it's a breakup. And I think in any breakup, there's two sides to every story, right? So I, I think, and I say that to say that I think, you know, we could speak on behalf of Sean Elliott and the coaches and justify what they do. We could also speak on the players and justify what they do. So, you know, I, I just, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I understand why Sean Elliott left Georgia State. I get the NIL challenges. I get the portal. He's coming into a really tough year. They were 129th in returning experience, and so it almost felt like Sean Elliott was going into a, a no-win situation this fall. The program, it felt like it kind of, you know, it kind of reached its peak, and it, it seemed like Georgia State may be in a position where they're ready to move on. And I totally respect Sean Elliott not wanting to add uh, once-fired head coach to his resume. I guess my only point was you're just going to have a really hard time ever getting rid of the transfer portal or fighting that kids should have less right to do what's best for them when – Coaches can literally up and leave whenever they want. And, I mean, it's – but, again, we can go back and forth. We can go in circles. I agree with you that there needs to be – the calendar is totally messed up. And I, I, I agree with you 110%. But the timing of it – I mean, the timing of it is – it's a tough look. I mean, just call it what it is. And I don't care how Garnet Glasses, diehard Gamecock fan you are, just try to take that away for a moment. Like – it's a tough look. The, the timing is tough when he left. They had began spring practice. Like, I just don't understand how you don't know this weeks in advance. I guess the position wasn't open because Justin Steph was still there. But, I mean, you know, if, if this was happening at a bigger school, right, if instead of leaving Georgia State, he was leaving Georgia, and I know that may not be a great example because you'd never leave Georgia to be the tight ends coach at South Carolina. But even if this was like Cal or this was – if this was a Power 5 job – I think it'd be a bigger storyline, and it's already got a lot of people talking. So, um, at the end of the day, here, listen, I, I like Sean Elliott, friend of the show. I had him on the show back in summer of 22 before they took on South Carolina in that season opener. Um, like Sean Elliott a lot. Like him when he was at South Carolina. I think he's a great pickup and a great addition for Shane Beamer, what he's going to mean for the running game as a whole because he is going to be that running game coordinator. And I'd say the last time they had a high-level running game consistently was when Sean Elliott was there. The, the, the physicality he's going to bring the way he's going to boost that culture. I mean, I think it's a great pickup, but certainly the way it happened is, is you know, it, it's it's kind of a rough look. But, you know, I just think it's you're going to have a hard time, again, justifying that players shouldn't have the rights they have when they can up and go when, when coaches can do the very same thing. Chris, looking at the uh, very young SEC baseball season so far, Man, it's 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 got to be it's got to be tough for Mark to know that his Florida Gators are the only team in the SEC <laughs> that are below 500 after their first week. Ole Miss being two and two. Diesel, honestly, I didn't know that. I didn't but, even know that. <laughs> well, two of your games were canceled, I assume, due to weather. But were how, what were the biggest surprises for you in in the opening weekend? Uh, is there anything that's concerning to you in the opening weekend? For example, Arkansas, a top five program, they lost to James Madison, who were, I, I believe, picked to finish 10th in the Sun Belt um, in, in the standings this year. Did anything jump out at you, uh, whether it be really exciting things that you saw or or concerning things that you might have seen? Yeah, you know, Diesel, it's kind of interesting. Baseball puts us in a really interesting position when it comes to content because 
you know, the way that we generate, and you guys know this, right, the way you get engagement, the way you get people to listen to your radio show or tune in a podcast is to have bold takes and opinions and very big takes and big opinions and reactions. And, you know, baseball is a game where you, you can't really overreact to one weekend or you probably shouldn't. But just to play along, right, uh, and the Florida Gators, by the way, I'm nervous about Florida because tough start in regards to the baseball gods. I don't know. The, the baseball gods are showing early. Maybe they hate Florida. You lose game one. Games two and three get canceled due to weather. There is I no mean, hey, God, nobody... Chris, that hates Florida. Okay? <laughs> Let's make that abundantly clear. No God anywhere hates the Gators. Okay? God shines among the Gators. Okay? When the sun goes down, it's orange. Okay? And it, and it goes down over blue. So just make sure Fair you enough. understand that. Okay? What I heard was Fair. something, something, sun shines on a dog's ass. That's what I heard. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, they, they got a big midweek tonight against North Florida trying to get that first dub. But, I mean. Um, you know, I, I think surprises in the first weekend, LSU walked 27 hitters. I mean, they swept, obviously, but uh, to see the LSU pitching staff struggle with control, I mean, you obviously have to get that short up. You know, you mentioned Arkansas losing to James Madison. I thought the first game, you, you saw a couple SEC aces get roughed up, right? Hagen Smith for Arkansas was one of them. Uh, gave up a four spot in the top of the first on opening day, which, you know, nobody saw coming. Cade Fisher for Florida, same thing with him. Thatcher Hurd for LSU. He got roughed up in that opening day start, which, again, I don't think it's anything to overreact to necessarily. There's a lot of baseball to be played, but typically you expect the pitching to be ahead of the hitting. And we, we saw offenses go crazy this weekend. I mean, LSU had 27 runs in their Sunday win. South Carolina throwing a no-hitter, right? The big question for them was, can the pitching do enough this year? And, again, it's against Miami of Ohio, right? We're going to find out a lot more down the road when they start. You know, they take on Clemson in a few weeks, and then conference play will begin. But Roman Kimball was a guy that was, you know, transferred from Notre Dame, sat out last year with Tommy John and coming back from injury. And he threw the baseball beautifully, and you throw a combined no-hitter in, I believe, seven or eight innings. So, I mean, a great start for that pitching staff. Obviously, South kind of offensively rolled. So, I think everything else season was pretty much – par for the course um, the best story of the weekend there were two for me neither had to do with the sec parker bird at east carolina the kid with the prosthetic leg appearing in the game a, less than a year after a boating accident where he had his leg amputated that was incredible i mean i don't care who you are that's such an awesome story and good good on that dude good on the family that was really cool to see and then florida state mike martin passed away a couple weeks ago fsu wins their season opener 11 to nothing, Mike Martin wore 11 at Florida State. It just felt like it was fitting. So it's just great to have college baseball back, guys. I mean, these first couple weeks, I don't know if there's going to be any, you know, really big, bold, you know, (laughs) overreaction type of takes, but it's going to be fun to watch as these ball clubs sort of figure themselves out. Chris, uh, higher seed for the NCAA tournament, Clemson or South Carolina? I'd still probably go South Carolina. Wow. I think South Carolina. I'll tell you what. Joe Lenardi says five for Clemson, seven for the Gamecocks. Does he? You're okay. going higher okay. for the game. But that's today. I'm saying ultimately. Yeah. And you're saying Gamecocks. Yeah, I'd probably go South Carolina. I, you know wow. what's funny, guys? It's like we've got a bunch of different contributors right now contributing to SEC Unfiltered. They've all got different opinions. and But people just haven't adjusted to that yet. So they think everything that comes out of SECU is coming from my mouth. So, you know, we're talking, is it time to hit the panic button on South Carolina? People are freaking out. And I'm sitting over here like, I'm actually not panicking, believe it or not. I told Diesel this time a week ago, everybody in the SEC takes their lumps. South Carolina is going to take their lumps. I didn't think they were going to lose to LSU at home, but you just knew at some point, like, you're not going to close out the season on a 15-game winning streak, and you're going to lose a game at some point. So, 
they need to bounce back this weekend at Ole Miss, right? You got a lot of time to rest up, recover, and get ready for that game. But you know, I, I think the Gamecocks are going to be fine, even if they finish out the season 500. Nobody gets through the SEC schedule alive, so it, it's going to toughen up. But I, I think the Gamecocks are going to be fine. Chris Phillips, SEC Unfiltered, answers all the tough questions that he does all the time. Uh, and you can check out the new content, SEC Unfiltered. Why cover one team when you can cover 16? There you go. Chris Phillips, continued success to you, my man. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Mark Diesel, appreciate you guys. We'll talk soon. All right. We've got the top five at five coming your way next, right here on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the fan upstate. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.